Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Good morning and, uh, and happy Easter. My prayer, my hope, my dream is that for you to be able to feel at home what we've been able to feel here in this place uh, this morning. It's, it's been amazing uh, for the band to be able to lead us in worship, for me to be able to literally experience the power of the resurrection and to feel that here in this place. And our dream is for you to be able to feel that at home. We would rather you to be here with us, but you can't be here with us. But our dream is that you can feel that where you are where you are, is that it comes through. I think that we're all in the mood for a great comeback story right now. I think that we're all in need of, of a story that will give us some hope because I think that for the first time, at least in, in my life, the world is, is in need of some hope. In the past few weeks, we've, there's been this tremendous setback for most of the known world due to this thing called the coronavirus. So I think that an encouraging, inspiring comeback story is needed. And even in this country, I mean, literally there are just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories in the history of this country that could inspire us. For example, one recent story is that story of Tiger Woods, who was labeled as, by some, at least being the greatest comeback story in sports history. Now, it depends on who you read, and I literally got this straight off the internet, so I know it's true. It says, his morality and his health failed him, and as a result, he had a great setback. Now, there was a great argument a lot, among a lot of those people out there that were commenting on the Tiger Woods story, as which came first, his, his morality failure or his health failure. And of course, all the spiritual people believed that first he had a lapse with his morality, that led to his failure with his health, that led to this incredible setback. In fact, the setback was so severe, he struggled so much that literally no one believed they could ever make a comeback. But last year, in the 2019 Masters in Augusta, Georgia, he won his 15th major and he proved many people wrong. Nine golf fans were watching, old men like me, we're watching and hoping, you know, we're hoping for the old guy to win. And the commentators were applauding as he did the unthinkable. He won another major. After what many really believed was going to be a career-ending injury, what a comeback story. But I would say that no story can compare to the Jesus story. I mean, really, what looked like the greatest setback became the greatest comeback in all of history. I mean, no one has ever topped the setback of death to the comeback of life. Somebody give me a two thumbs up out there in the internet world. It was amazing. And his comeback gives us hope. It gives us hope. It gives us hope spiritually. It gives us hope for our spiritual, for our physical, for our emotional, for our financial, whatever kind of comeback that you're looking for. And you are. Many people out there, you're looking for a comeback. You're looking for that financial comeback, that emotional comeback, that comeback from that deep depression that you find yourself falling into right now. And this story 
is going to give you hope. You heard a piece a few minutes ago that uh, was inspired by an incredibly gifted black preacher named S.M. Lockridge, who pastored Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego, California from 1953 to 1993. And I love that sermon. And I'm not kidding you. You really should go online, look up S.M. Lockridge, and look for this message. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. I'm telling you, it's awesome. These gifted black preachers have something that us poor white boys just don't have. They've got a little bit of spunk. They've got a little bit of something that we kind of lack. He said, it's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's asleeping. Judas is betraying. Now, that's a setback right there. It's a setback because he went from being the man. He went from being the man that huge crowds followed. He went from being the man that that people wanted to be around. Of course they did because he healed the sick. He gave hope to the hopeless. Lepers that, that were outcasts of society that nobody wanted to be around. Jesus reached out to those people. And great crowds followed. And he went from that to being a man alone in a garden praying. Mark's gospel, chapter 14, says it like this. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go pray. Now, now who was it that Jesus was talking to? Well, of course, this is, this is his disciples. This is his posse. This is, these are his best friends. These are his, his closest buddies. And then it says he took Peter, James, and John with him. Now, these were the best of the best. And so you've got the 12 disciples, right? So you've got the 12, and then Jesus connected in particular with these three guys. So he takes Peter, James, and John with him. And he became, I love this part of the passage. He became deeply troubled and distressed. And he told them, see, there's a big thing in, in church. There's been a, a word that's been coined, it's been used over and over and over, even in this type of church, in the contemporary church movement called authenticity, that you, we need to be authentic. Well, listen, Jesus, the very Son of God, God in the flesh, listen to what he says. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Wow. Man, this is Jesus. This is God's son, and he's being totally real and authentic with these guys. He said, stay here and watch with me. So he takes his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And these are the very same guys that left their families. He said, come follow me, and they left their jobs behind. They literally left everything, gave up everything, their livelihood to follow this man named Jesus, their security. And then he takes the best of his best friends a little bit further into the garden, and he gets totally transparent, and he says, boys, I just want you to know that my soul is overwhelmed with grief because I know what's coming. And there's really, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't save me. You're not going to be able to stop it. But I would really appreciate it if you would just, if you would just stay awake and pray with me. That's all he was asking. And if you'll just stay awake and pray with me, Jesus is looking at his, his 12 closest friends, <clears throat> three of the best friends that he had, and he said, just stay awake and pray. Then Mark says he went a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, I love this passage part, part of the passage too, 
The awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Haven't you prayed a prayer like that? I know I have. I have literally prayed to God and said, God, you're the creator of the heavens and the earth. You know, I tried to use some spiritual church kind of language. The creator of the heavens and the earth. God, there's nothing that you can't do. And here's what I need for you to do for me. And that was Jesus' prayer. He says, please take this cup of suffering away from me. But Jesus prayed something that took me a long time to ever get to the point where I could pray. He said, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and he found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? And I think really he's looking, this is one of those questions where he's looking at him saying, really? I mean, you couldn't say, all I ask was just for you to stay awake and pray. Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? And that's another setback. It's a setback when your closest friends can't stay awake and, and pray with you. And that's all he asked them to do. He just asked them to stay awake and pray. He did not say, hey guys, listen, if you don't mind... In a few hours, there's going to be a band of soldiers of about five, 600 guys, and they're going to come and they're going to arrest me. In just a few hours, they're going to put me on a cross and they're going to crucify me. And it would be really cool. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it would be like, uh, we can do it all together as a team, as a family. You know, one for all and all for one. If y'all would just be crucified with me. But that's not what he said. He didn't ask anything of them. He just said, could you just stay awake and pray? But they couldn't. They were physically present, but they were emotionally absent. <clears throat> My guess is you've experienced a similar setback. Somewhere, someone that you thought was one of your closest friends, I mean, they weren't, they weren't present. And I don't mean that they weren't physically present. I mean, they weren't emotionally present. I mean, they heard your words, but they didn't see your pain. They missed it. <clears throat> now, none of you have probably been guilty of doing this, but for me in those moments, I wanted somebody to see my hurt. I wanted them to see my pain. And so maybe, maybe somebody would ask, have you ever done this? Somebody said, how are you doing? And you would kind of drop your head. Drop your shoulders. Oh, I'm fine. I'm good. I really, I'm good. And, and you're trying to be dramatic. You're saying it in a way that you're hoping that maybe they'll lean in. They'll see something. They'll say, oh, listen, are you okay? I know you're saying you're okay, but you're not okay. And that makes it even worse, right? When you give them subtle hints and they miss it. And you didn't really need anything. You weren't asking them to make a mortgage payment. You weren't trying to get a car payment out of them. They didn't need to buy your groceries. You just wanted somebody to see your pain, to see your hurt. And that's where Jesus was. His disciples, his inner circle, his best buds were with him, but they weren't engaged with him. And then Mark records these words. When he returned to them the third time, he said, and I, I can only imagine, surely he had to say it with a little bit of attitude. I know I'm not Jesus, but surely he had to say, 
I'll go ahead with yourself and sleep. Have your rest. But know the time has come. The Son of Man is, is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up. Let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with the crowd of men. And just so you know, the Greek word here for this crowd of men, for this band of men, literally means that there could have been as many as 600 soldiers. Can you imagine that? To arrest some radical preacher? That's all he was. He never fired a shot. He never did anybody any harm. The only thing he's guilty of is loving people, healing the sick. And this huge group of soldiers come to arrest him. Arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. And they had been sent by the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders. The traitor. One of the twelve. One of his buddies. One of his closest friends, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. And this really stinks. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Have mercy. Then you can take him away under guard. And as soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and he gave him a kiss. Now that's a major setback. That's a major setback. It's one thing to have a friend with you but not be present with you. It's another thing to have a friend to betray you. Neglect is bad, but betrayal has to be worse. Neglect is bad, but betrayal has to be ten times worse, doesn't it? And I bet you've experienced that too, betrayal. I mean, we all have. I don't have to make up a whole lot on this, do I? The spouse that stood on your wedding day and vowed, promised to love you until death do you part, and they slept with somebody else. Or that best friend that you told a secret to and they betrayed you. And they put it on Facebook. Betrayal. It stings and it hurts and you feel alone and you feel broken. A so-called friend at work threw you under the bus to get the promotion. It happens every day on some level or another, this thing called betrayal. And that's what Jesus experienced. It was one setback after another. And then Mark says, inside the leading priest in the entire high council were trying to find evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they couldn't find any. So you know what they did? They couldn't find anything wrong. They, there were no charges. And so there were these false witnesses, and all these different false witnesses came, and they tried to bring charges, and they couldn't even get their story straight. They contradicted one another. And although there's no evidence of wrongdoing, he's found guilty. And in an effort to satisfy an angry mob of people, Pilate orders that he be brutally beaten. And then Jesus stood before an angry mob once more, and they scream, literally scream, crucify him. Now that's a major setback. How are you going to work your way out of this one, Jesus? And then it happens. The unthinkable. They put a 200-pound cross on his back after he's beaten almost to death. Historians say that just through the beating alone, if you had not known Jesus before the scourging, that you would not have been able to recognize Jesus. 
His back was reduced to no more than raw hamburger meat. Most people died just through the scourging alone. But Jesus somehow miraculously lived. And then he put a 200-pound cross on his back, telling him to carry it up the steepest hill in Jerusalem. And quite honestly, he didn't make it. So he falls, and tradition has it that a man of Serene, a, a black man, carried the cross of Jesus all the way to the top of the hill. They come to Golgotha and they strip him naked. They take three spikes and they drive him into his hands and through both of his feet and into a wooden cross. And they drop it in a hole. And they wait for him to die. The gospel writer John records these words. John 19, later, knowing that everything had been finished, so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. They, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It's finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And I would say that that would be the ultimate setback. The old black preacher said it best. He said, it's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. Evil's grinning. The crucifixion appeared to be the greatest setback in history. Religion won. I've, I've literally been saying this for 25, 30 years, I guess. And every single time I say this on an Easter Sunday or any given Sunday, people always get angry about the religion thing. It was, whether you like it or not, religion, so angry that they wanted him dead on a cross. Religion won, Satan won, Jesus had been defeated. Because after all, we all know that death, that's final. But this is only Friday. Sunday's coming. Matthew's gospel says it like this. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to these incredible women, You don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. But he's not here. <clears throat> he's risen. Just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And the greatest setback became the greatest comeback in history. And that's why we celebrate Easter. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus. If you're hearing this story for the very first time. You know now what motivates us as followers of Jesus. 
to, to celebrate like we've never celebrated before. I, honestly, I love Easter better than I do Christmas. I know, I know you're going to throw rocks at me. You know, I mean, I know if it hadn't been for Christmas, if it hadn't been for the birth, it would have never been the death. But to celebrate the death, not the death, but the resurrection of Jesus. It's awesome. But there's more to it than that. And, and that would be enough, right? I mean, that would be enough. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, you want to stick your chest out right now, don't you? You want to straight, straight around like a little banny rooster, don't you? You want to tell the world, that's right, that's my Jesus. But there's more to it than that. It's more than he's just that he's alive. His comeback gives us hope for our own setbacks. Romans chapter 6, I love this passage. I'll start with verse 5, but if we have been uniting with them, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin, freedom. The resurrection of Jesus, the power of the resurrection of Jesus is power in us to be free. To be free from the sin that destroys your life. It's the Holy Spirit power in us. It's not our power. We don't have any power. I don't have any power. I can't bow up at the devil and tell him I can whip his behind because I can't in my strength. But I don't have to in my strength. I can rely on the power of the resurrection. And that very same Jesus, that very same Jesus promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us, that no matter what we go through as followers of Jesus, that we will not go through it on our own. The coronavirus cannot separate us from the love of God. A, a missing a paycheck cannot separate us from the love of God. Experiencing, I hope that you never do, but if you experience death, the death of someone that you love, those people that are in Christ, Love, that death will not separate you from them because you'll see them again. No hurt, no loss, no pain, no suffering can separate us from the awesome love of Jesus. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand, start to fall All those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground when the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I could see it now There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching In the healing and the hurting Like a blessing buried in broken pieces Every minute, every moment 
I'm sure that you're already fully aware. I don't have to beat you over the head with the Bible this morning. I don't have to tell you how sorry you are. You already are fully aware that, that sin is your greatest setback. And my guess is, is that you've tried to, to do better and you've tried to be better. You've tried to earn your way to God, but you know what? You just keep failing. What I want you to know this morning is, is that what Jesus did for you on the cross settles it all. That what Jesus said on the cross was he died in our place. We're guilty of sin. And it's, it's the craziest thing in the world to, to understand that God so loved the triple X-rated world. that He so loved people like you and me, sinners, so much. And wants a relationship with us so much that he was willing to do what he had to do to fix the problem. to pay the penalty for our sin. And it would be a cool story if that was it, if it was just that he was willing to die. But that's not the end of the story. It's Easter. It's Resurrection Day. And on that third day, the stone was rolled away and Jesus walked out alive. And because Jesus has life, he can give life to us. 
So if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, I hope, I hope that what you've been able to hear of all the setbacks that Jesus went through and every, each and every setback he went through because he loved you so much that he was willing to pay whatever price had to be paid just so he could be in a relationship with you. He's crazy about you. So wherever you are, if you're on a couch, if you're in the bed, if you're out on the back porch, it really doesn't matter. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then right there you can just pray a simple prayer, something like this. Right now, just tell him, Jesus, I need you. My sin is wrecking my life. And I, I, I've tried to be better and do better, but nothing's worked. So I want to thank you for your willingness to die in my place, to pay the penalty for my sin. It's the kind of love that I cannot comprehend or understand. And I believe that not only did you die, but on the third day you were raised from the dead. And I believe that you're alive. And what you feel right now, you feel the presence, the awesome power of the Holy Spirit himself. Right there, right with you, right now. He's alive. And all you have to do right now, just pray. Go ahead and say, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. For the rest of my life, I want to follow you to the best of my ability. Let's pray together. Lord, have mercy. I love Easter. Lord, for me, going over passages of Scripture that I've read, I have no idea how many times. But it's still so fresh and still so sweet to me to think of all that you went through, the betrayal, the hurt, the pain the emotional scars of having the people that they said that loved you the most in this world to not be emotionally present with you. And then, Lord, to endure the cruelty of the cross. It's amazing to me, Lord. Your love is amazing. Thank you for teaching me about your love. I can honestly say, God, that it has been your love that has set me free. And Lord, I know that this morning you've, you've touched hearts, you've drawn people to yourself, and lives have been changed, not because of us, but because of you. So we worship you, we praise you, we exalt you. Thank you for the resurrection. And it's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you prayed that prayer with Pastor Scott to accept Christ, there's a, a link for you to connect with us uh, if you're watching on Facebook. If you're watching um, online, you can click the button that says raise your hand, and we would also love if you would hit the contact button as well. We want to follow up with you, make sure we get you started on your journey. Happy Easter. We will see you next Sunday, same time, same place.